Welcome to the Flying Baton, the magical land of beginning band. Coming to you from the beautiful Shenandoah Valley of Virginia, your host, Charlie Nesmith. Hey everybody and welcome back to the show. I'm really excited to have you with us on the Flying Baton today. A couple things before we get started. Normally at the end of each episode, we do a beginning band pick of the week where we dissect a piece of music that you could possibly use in your program. Due to the length of today's episode and wanting to push this episode out as fast as possible for everyone who's starting school soon, um, we are going to skip that for this week and it will make a reappearance on the next episode. We've also been working really hard to put together a book of fundamentals and warm-ups for middle school band that has a lot of really interesting and unique features. It should be launching by the end of the week and I'll have more information for you guys soon. On to the show. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Flying Baton. Uh, I'm very excited this week to have my co-teacher, Mr. John Wilson. We just finished our very first week of 100% virtual school. Welcome, John, to the show. Hey, thank you so much. Awesome. Uh, could you just introduce a little bit about your background and how you came to be where you are? Sure. Um, this is my fourth year of teaching in general. So I uh, grew up in Virginia, went to Bridgewater College, um, and went straight from my undergraduate degree into teaching band and choir at Shelburne Middle School with Charlie Nesmith here sitting beside me. Could you tell us a little bit about uh, the classes that you currently teach at Shelburne? Yeah, sure. So Charlie and I co-teach all the 6th, 7th, and 8th grade band classes. And then I also do a 7th grade choir class. And um, this is the first year doing two 8th grade choir classes. Up until this point, it has just been one 8th grade choir class. Um, so I'm involved with some of the extracurriculars after school, like jazz bands and our musical and I've helped out with our high school's marching band for the past couple of years as well. Awesome. Okay, so uh, just as a disclaimer, uh, well, a couple of disclaimers before we get started. Um, this interview is going to be a little different than the normal interview um, because we do work together. So it's going to be a little more conversational and less uh, me just throwing a lot of questions uh, at John. Um, and second of all, before we get started, I just want to say that uh, we know that our position at our school division is pretty, pretty good. And not everyone is, is in uh, the same boat. And I know there's, there's just a lot of different situations all across the country right now from people who aren't allowed to have band at all to some people doing in-person, some doing in-person and virtual. Some schools have mandated a 25-foot distance limit between people. Uh, some schools have said, hey, you can't play wind instruments, but you can still have band. And, you know, worst case scenario, there's a one district in Virginia that told all of the elective teachers that they couldn't teach their subject and they had to go either supervise other classes or teach completely different subjects. So we realized that there's a lot of teachers who are not in as good a situation that we're in. And I definitely want to empathize with that. Uh, it's really tough. And I hope that you are reaching out to friends and family and coworkers to try to help through uh, if your district has imposed some like really crazy limits um, that you're just reaching out to your friends to kind of get through it. Hopefully this is all temporary and we will be back to normal next year. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Uh, I truly hope so. Um, but since we have spent the whole week doing virtual, I thought it'd be helpful to just kind of talk through what we went through. I know we start school before a lot of the country, so it may be useful for uh, those of you who are starting virtual soon. I think I want to add maybe on top of that is that we also have the benefit of we both are in the same building. Um, and even though we're not always in the same room um, or now in the same Zoom session, um, we do have that luxury of bouncing a lot of ideas back and forth as well. So I know that that's been invaluable to me and in, in getting myself and then our shared program ready, ready for this upcoming year too. Yeah, absolutely. All right, John. So um, could you explain uh, how our school is handling learning right now? Sure. So we are, like Charlie said already, fully virtual um, for a 
undisclosed amount of time. Um, some schools have set like a strict, we'll reevaluate at this time. But for the time being, we are fully virtual. Um, we have a four-day teaching week. So every Monday is our planning day, but also um, faculty meetings um, and, and posting pre-learning opportunities for students online. Then we teach three classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and then three other classes on Wednesdays and Fridays, um, in addition to having a homeroom class every morning to start off the day. Um, we are, like Charlie said earlier as well, we are still teaching band and choir classes, although they're pretty modified, but I'm sure we'll get more into that later on. Okay, um, could you talk a little bit about how we have chosen to adapt the band program to the new scheduling limitation of essentially seeing the kids twice a week? Yeah, so I think one of the things that we've talked about a lot is seeing our role for this period of time as creating very intentional, musically fulfilling opportunities for the kids. So not necessarily the same ensemble opportunities that they would have, but giving them chances as individuals at their own houses with their own instruments right now to still get better in their, you know, in their band instrument or for my choir kids at, you know, their vocal technique and their music literacy, but also having experiences that are just musically fulfilling in and of themselves that we wouldn't necessarily um, try to do in a regular year or wouldn't really fit in our, in the way that we structure our classes in a regular year. So for my choir kids, especially, this is diving in pretty early into electronic music production. Um, all of our kids are one-to-one -one with a Chromebook. I do feel like that's important to know as well. So while Chromebooks can't download a lot of great apps that I wish that they could, there are still a lot of web-based applications that they can use. And so I know my plan for this upcoming week is to start diving in right away to, um, you know, how a, a quarter note or a scale written in quarter notes looks on a page, but then how they can program that into something like Chrome Music Lab or some of the Ableton web-based um, applications that they can use and uh, um, and use that as a chance for them to experience making music on their own. Yeah. Well, and John, you found a really awesome uh, website that just had a whole bunch of different music tools that you can use online that we've both been really enjoying playing around with. I think I posted it in one of the uh, middle school band directors forums, um, but we'll make sure to put it in the show notes for this episode too, because it just had a ton of good stuff in there. Yeah, I can't take any credit for it, but I think it's the Beat Makers Toolbox or Beat Builders yeah, Toolbox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So shout out to whoever put all that together. It's pretty great. Yeah. And um, so I will say for uh, for sixth grade especially, that that is the grade that we have struggled the most with um, because, you know, the seventh and eighth graders already know how to play their instruments. So we're like, hey, we could do stuff in smart music. If we want to do a virtual ensemble, we can. And we did one last year, so they kind of already have experience with that. Um, we did some, some of the digital music with them uh, last year as well. So like they, seventh and eighth grade, I feel like, we felt pretty comfortable with, but sixth grade, you know, we were really racking our brains like, man, they, they don't know how to play their instruments at all. What are we going to do? So what we uh, talked to the parents about, if they felt comfortable, is to have the student come in person for their first lesson, and then we'll do subsequent lessons uh, virtually. So in the first lesson, we teach them how to hold the instrument, how to form the embouchure, how to make some basic sounds, uh, touch a little bit on, on tonguing and, um, how to use a metronome and a tuner and just kind of cover as much of that as we can in person. Uh, the things that I feel would be hard to do over video, especially like instrument placement on the mouth. Like that's, that's really hard to do uh, over video. Um, so we, we set things like uh, we set that up for sixth grade and then their future lessons will be virtual. Um, but we are able to offer in-person lessons. If the parent wants them to come in person, we are able to do that. Um, 
could you talk a little bit about uh, our big hiccup that we had with our first day of doing? Yeah, so <laughs> um, we were planning on having you know the students and their parents come in, which we've never done, by the way. That's something we've actually really enjoyed doing is having the parents there. But we found out after our first sets of kids and parents were both here that we could not allow the parents to come into the building. So for every school day last week, we loaded up a bunch of instruments on a cart and set up on the sidewalk um, outside of school. And we did our, our half-hour first <laughs> lessons outdoors, and it was a little bit hot. Yep. Um, but, you know, definitely worth it to have the parents there. A lot of the parents were you know, videotaping the process or taking pictures of how their hand position should be or what the instrument looks like when it's put in the case um, or what a slide lock looks like on the trombones. They go back and reference that later. Um, and, you know, after that first day of kind of scrambling to get it all out there, you know, for the next couple of days, we just loaded up the cart, went out, and, and, and it was fine. And dressed in more appropriate clothing for... <laughs> for Yeah, for afternoons outdoors. Yes. yes. In Virginia this time of year, it's somewhere around 80-ish degrees uh, outside most of the day. So the, the wardrobe changed a little bit after that. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. It was really nice seeing the parents and the students. And I always found it really inter- interesting is to see how the parent and the student would interact with each other. Because, you know, you had some parents who were very hands-off and they just kind of sat there and just silently observed. You had other parents like taking pictures and video, like, I want to be able to help as much as I can when I get home. Um, you know, I had some parents who were pretty uh, helicoptery, and anytime the kid did the slightest thing wrong, the parent would, like, just jump on them. And, like, even so much, you know, all the percussionists, with setting up their percussion kit, they have, like, 100 wing nuts, right? And, and like, the second a kid started turning the wing nut the wrong way, the parent would be like, righty-tighty, it's a righty-tighty. And I was like, okay, it's cool. He'll figure it out. <laughs> if it keeps going that way, it'll just fall out. He'll learn, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely saw that. And I thought it was interesting, too, to see, like, the, the like, quality of interaction between parent and student. Like, um, how does this child address their parents or, like, how do they talk back and forth? And it, it gave me some insight on, oh, maybe if like if they're saying this sort of thing, like I understand that's that's maybe how they talk at home, and that's that's just good for me to know. Yeah. So we've had a lot of discussions this last week about teaching the content of band versus what we what we find that the kids truly enjoy about band class. Yeah. So you know, no kid joins band because they really want to master all seven scales that VBODA requests of middle school students. Um, they join band because their friends are there. They join band because it's a successful program. Um, they join band because it is fun. Um, some of them really enjoy the performance opportunities. A few of them really love playing their instruments more than anything else. But um, for a lot of them, it is just a chance to to try something new, to have fun with their friends, to be social, um, and to have success. So as we've been planning for this year and thinking about what are the, you know, We've been balancing what are the core skills that we want our students to be able to do and to be able to perform, um, and then what are the things that they really want to do, and, and why are they in our program in the first place, um, and and trying to balance them. What are the essentials of, of both of these categories, and how can we still make sure that those are tangible in, in our year this year? Um, we've only been in school for one week, but something that has just... Um, really surprised me about this week and it shouldn't surprise me i guess is just how much when we've provided in each class an opportunity just to do team building or conversations as for our, you know for our eighth graders this is their third year together um so just giving them chances to talk to one another in in small groups through breakout rooms or whatever um they have loved that so much um and i know that's really something that they've been missing and so, you know, that's been, as I've been reflecting this weekend, thinking about ways that for the upcoming weeks, 
being very intentional just to include times for them to have conversations and be with their friends and not necessarily accomplish any musical or, or technical goals, but um, just to have social time with friends, I think really is important this year, probably more than any other year that, that we've seen. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things we, we usually touch on uh, in a regular year, but especially we've touched on this year is that, you know, band is a team activity. Uh, it's, it's a family. It is the band family. And we want to keep that going, even though we're virtual, um, you know, and I, I always tell them the analogy is like, you know, you're in math class, you could have an A, the person next to you can have an F. It doesn't really affect you because they have their grades and you have your grades and you're, you're kind of doing your own thing unless the teacher gives you like a specific group project. But in band, you know, everyone affects everybody all the time. And it is much more like a sporting activity from that respect and, and much more of a team thing. And that's something that I think the kids find very valuable. Um, and it's one of, probably one of the things I enjoy the most about band. I mean, I do enjoy the musical aspect of it, but the teamwork part of it, I think, is something that they're going to take with them the rest of their life, even if they don't end up in music. And the vast majority of our band students will not end up in music. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, and I think that could be something that would be really helpful for them and really memorable for them. So, yeah, so we've done a lot of, a lot of uh, breakout rooms. We've asked them silly questions and then assigned them like a random group of four people to go talk in a breakout room. And that was really fun. And we've got some other things planned, too. But I, I just I definitely want the family atmosphere to continue because hopefully at some point this year, we're all going to be back together in the same room, God willing. And especially for the sixth graders, I don't want them to come back and then not really know anyone in the room. I want them to kind of have an idea of uh, of who everyone is. Or like, especially with sixth grade, the way we split ours up is they're essentially in four separate classes because the two of us split up between two blocks. And so um, if my, like this, this semester, I have a class that is just our trumpet players because that's a fairly large group this year. So if they come back and, and they're like, wait a second, there's, there's more than just the kids who play <laughs> trumpet. You know, so some of the things we've done have been where they've shared videos of themselves um, with the whole, the entirety of the sixth grade band class and watched other people. And because um, for our kids as well, they're coming together from three separate elementary schools. So they sincerely may not have ever seen some of the other people in their band classes. Yeah. So, yeah, and we use uh, Flipgrid for that. And the cool thing about using Flipgrid instead of them submitting a video via Google Classroom is they can watch all of the other videos. And in fact, we gave that to him as an assignment. We said, okay, not only should you record a video of yourself and what instrument you play and some fun things about you, but I want you to watch every other video for the people in your class. Okay. The question I do have, I'm not sure that we've answered this totally, but it says, what, what has been the primary goal this week? What would you say that for all of our classes, what has been the number one focus for week one, seeing each class only twice? What has been the main focus for us? I think it's been getting the kids comfortable like with not only like how they're interacting with their device, but you know, like Charlie, you said, we're using Google classroom as our school is required, but we like classroom, but we're using classroom. We're using Flipgrid. We're using smart music. Um, and so, you know, are they, are they comfortable operating within these platforms? Um, and so we have done some like get to know you assignments, but we've been spreading those out through the different platforms so that they actually have a chance to, to make sure they're joined, make sure they can use it, make sure they can see other people. Um, and then getting them comfortable with like seeing each other again. It's not necessarily been like, we've not done very much playing. We've not really done very much like <laughs> specific music teaching yet. And I, I, I don't really think that anybody should dive in right away with that. Like they have so many questions. Um, I think that's been our, and, and, being sure that we portray that 
band is going to like you know sharing with them here's some ideas that we have for projects we're going to do this year so that they know that there's good stuff coming on the way and 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 just getting them excited to be a part of it as well so i don't know if i could distill that into i think maybe just getting kids comfortable would be the distilled biggest yeah. goal yeah well in our um our welcome video that we did for the school one of the things that you know yes we had a lot to talk about about you know like bell covers and you know, what band is going to look like and how things are going to be different and about the logistics of concerts. But we specifically made sure to put in that introductory video all of the fun things that we're going to get to do this year that we wouldn't normally get to do, especially in regards to composition and individual performance opportunities and electronic music. And we definitely have more than one student and parent contact us saying, hey, I was a little nervous till I saw that video. And now we're pretty excited about things. And I think comfortability is just definitely, definitely the main goal. Um, in fact, uh, one of the things that, uh, that John, you put together for the sixth graders was we thought through everything we really want them to learn through the year. And John made this like beautiful checklist in, uh, in Google Sheets that looks amazing. Um, so each kid has their own tab in this spreadsheet. It's, it's kind of hard to explain, so maybe I can link a screenshot of it. But essentially, we have every skill we want them to learn for the whole year. Uh, which includes a materials checklist. It includes all the things in the essential elements we want to talk about. It includes basic things like putting your read on the mouthpiece correctly. But the very first thing, the very first thing is I can join Google Classroom. I have enrolled in smart music. I can submit a Flipgrid video. And the very first thing that we focused on is getting, making sure that each kid can use the platforms that we're going to be on. Because, we, you know, the school, a lot of different teachers have used some of these platforms, but it hasn't been uniform. So some of the kids are coming in knowing how to do everything. In fact, some of the kids came in and did the assignments before the first day of school. And they were yeah, like, which what was else a big can surprise. I do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're like, what else can I do? I, I did all the things you assigned. And, you know, and some kids are still struggling to just, you know, sign up for smart music, you know, and that's a big barrier. In fact, which reminds me, obligatory story that I have to tell is we used to use Essential Elements Interactive. And we, we would take a day in class where the kids would bring out their Chromebooks and they would have to sign up for their own account. So they would type in their name and they would type in the little code that's on the inside of the of the front cover. And then they would have to choose a username and password. And we ha it, I thought this was going to be a straightforward thing, I guess, maybe because I grew up, uh, you know, earlier in the age of the Internet. Uh, it, so many kids couldn't even make a password. You know, they, they would raise their hand and they're, and they're like, it's, it's saying my password is invalid. And I came over and they're using emojis in their password. I'm like, you, you can't do that in a password, dude. Like, <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't work at all. And and like just simple things like that that they just hit a wall and they were stuck on. Whereas other kids were like, oh yeah, yeah, no problem. And they they were done in five seconds. So there's, it's definitely been. Uh, I think this whole thing is actually gonna gonna cause a lot of equalizing in the technological comfortability of the kids. Because we are all being forced to use a whole lot of different platforms, and the kids who aren't comfortable are going to become more comfortable by the time this is all over. Yeah, even very basic skills like copying and pasting a URL into a different tab. Oh yeah, that was that was a huge thing. Um, so we decided for attendance, right? And that's a whole other thing. We were, I was planning on talking about Zoom a little bit later, but we can we can talk about this right now. We're like, how on earth are we going to take attendance if you have a class of sixty kids? Like, I don't want to sit there and like. It's just very hard to do because when they're in the Zoom window, they're not in any sort of like alphabetical order. or Well, they're in alphabetical order by first name, which is not helpful. Until somebody talks and then it's not. And right, where yeah. <laughs> they raise their digital hand and, and then they the whole list gets screwed up. So at first we were like, well, we could all type them. Uh, they could all type here in the chat. And then I was like, wait, I'm going to have to go back through and search that whole thing. Like that's 
that's not going to be helpful. And that only works if their name is right, not like X, Y, double four, ZX. Oh, yeah. Well, that was a whole, a whole nother ordeal is getting the kids to have their actual name in, in the Zoom window, their first and last name, um, and like walking them through that. And one of our sixth grade teachers uh, took the liberty of making like a screencast of how you go in through the Zoom.us site and change your default name. Because we were having a situation where kids would change their name for our class, and then they would join the next Zoom, and it would default back to something weird. So, yeah, I mean, just simple stuff like that. So, oh, so back to the attendance thing. So we we set up this Google form for attendance where they would type in their first name, last name, how are you feeling today on a scale of one to five, and then hit submit. But for some reason on the Chromebooks, if you paste the link into the Zoom chat, the kids can't click it. So all the kids who are on personal devices, they could click on URLs that were in the Zoom chat window, but none of the Chromebook kids can. And most of our kids were using their, their Chromebooks. So we're like, okay, well, we got to copy and paste it into a new tab, and then it'll work. And a lot of them were like, what's that mean? It's like, whew, yeah. okay, <laughs> all right. How do, you, how do you walk through? And, you know, they don't have mice, right? So it's like, okay, double tap your fingers on the trackpad. You know, it was like this whole thing. And then some of the kids are, are being very helpful in the chat. They're like, oh, you can use Control-V and Control-C also, and... And that was cool. But it just struck me like, man, a lot of these kids don't even know copy and paste. Like, man, it's just a huge learning curve. But, you know, we talked about that in our first meeting. And on meeting two, it was a lot faster. And Yeah. Yeah, and that's why I think, you know, week one, yeah, back, just it goes back to what you said, just getting them comfortable. Getting them comfortable being on camera, comfortable being in a virtual environment, comfortable signing into all these crazy platforms that we want them to use. That was and and having some social opportunity with each other so they get some of that, you know, the community aspect. That's that's really been the focus of week one. Yeah. I guess actually while we're talking about Zoom, I don't this is kind of tangential, but the whole idea of making your kid unmute or making your kid turn on their video um is definitely I I feel like needs to be said. Like we have some students who for various reasons are not comfortable turning on their video, whether that's like whether that's a, a they don't like the way they look that day is you know sounds like the default but whether that's they don't they're not in an environment that they feel like broadcasting to their peers or they are in a space that is simply too loud to be able to turn on their mic um so um i don't know your school districts may have different policies ours is fortunately very lenient um and and has you know talked with us about there may be reasons legitimate reasons that kids cannot turn on their mic or turn on their camera and they should not be penalized for that if they're being able to engage. Yeah. Um, well, you know, the whole thing with, with everyone being in their house and being on video has really put a spotlight on class divide, mm. for sure. Um, and and it actually, for me, has really put a spotlight on the number of teachers who are oblivious to a class lower than that of which they were raised. Um you know, we had several teachers in our, our faculty meetings who were like, well, why can't I just force them to have their video on all the time so I know they're paying attention? And it's like, man, some of these kids live in an environment they do not want other people to see. Or like the conversation, like kids can't sit on their bed. Well, some of these kids can't sit anywhere else. Like if they're sitting up and they're on their bed, I'm really happy to have them with me. Yeah, that might be the only quiet place in the house. Yeah. Because I've definitely had uh, some kids who are on the Zoom call that there was a bunch of other people in the room. Some people were watching TV. Some people were like listening to music on a speaker and all that so the kid was on mute so we couldn't hear that stuff but i just have to imagine man i'm trying to teach class and this kid has so much stuff going on around them so much noise and distraction and movement and and that may be the only place that they're allowed to be in in their house i mean that might be all they get and i know some teachers put forth some guidelines for 
find a quiet room, sit at a desk, do all this. And that's all great. Just a lot of kids can't do it. And I don't feel like they should be penalized for that. Yeah. You know, and I've had some kids that have not turned on their video once this whole week. And as long as they're doing the assignments and, you know, if they're, if I ask everyone a question, they may not say it into the mic, but they may type it into the text chat. And I'm, for me, that's, that's great. Yeah. And some of those same kids have, when we do these asynchronous, like Flipgrid assignments or whatever, when they can record on their own time, they, you know, they can find a time or they can find a place. Some of them go outside, um, whatever that means for them to make and submit something. And they are participating. Um, but it may be that the time that your class is meeting is not a time where they can do that. Yeah. So as far as our, our Zoom classes that we've had this week, um, how have you structured your Zoom classes? Like what's roughly the chronology of what occurs in the class? Uh, we have a regular start of class routine that we do with every classes. I also do this with my choir classes um, where when we're in person, we stand up. We do some stretches like shrugging our shoulders back, um, stretching out our necks, rubbing our shoulders, taking in a deep breath and sighing it out. Um, and I'm definitely doing that this year too. And I'm encouraging them, not requiring, but I'm standing up. I've been sitting down all day. You know, I tilt my screen back um, and stand up and do those exact same stretches, take a deep breath in, and then get started. And they really appreciate that too. With our younger kids, yeah. we do some um, call and response patterns. Like we'll clap some rhythms, we'll make some animal sounds. Um, and have them echo it back, <laughs> which has been weird on Zoom. We used to ask them all to mute. I just, you know, keep the tempo going in your head and clap your one, two, three, and four. Uh, 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 one and two, three and four. And you know, there, you see them going at all different times, but they have really enjoying that. And I know they're getting weird looks from their family members in the house, but yeah, but they enjoy that. Um, and then you know, after this kind of regular beginning of class routines diving into the rest of, of the lesson by the way props to uh legendary teacher linda gammon for all those stretches who Ooh. i directly stole from her in her vmea session in like 2013 uh but it's i mean it's been really great for even just normal band class to get them uh like to signal to their brain class is starting now Here's where I transition into band mode um but it's also really good to just relax the muscles and i told all my kids this week i was like look I know that we're online. We are still going to do our stretches because you guys have been hunched over a screen all day and you've been sitting in a chair for like four hours at this point. So we are going to do our stretches. Your neck's probably hurt. Your back's probably hurt. And if we're playing instruments, you know, those muscles need to be relaxed for us to sound our best. And I didn't have my kids start standing up till Friday and because I've just been doing it in my seat. But on Friday, I was like, okay, you know what? Let's stand up for these. And like their whole like face just lit up. Yeah. They're like, oh, my God, I get to stand and do something? This is great. And, yeah. like, <laughs> and like, while it sounds weird, all of our returners just accepted it. Like, that's what we've done for them for one or two years already. And the beginners didn't yeah. know any difference. So they were like, yep. okay, I guess this is just what we do. And Yeah. yeah. And that was, that was really fun to, to be able to start class in the same way. And, you know, even with sixth grade, they haven't done it in person with us yet. But I told them, I was like, when you do come back in person, this is how we start class every day. We do our stretches. We do our call and response patterns. And then we sit down and get class going. So it's cool to have them already hooked into a little bit of the routine for when they come back. I feel it's, it's going to make that transition uh, a little bit better. Oh, something else that uh, I've done with some of my classes, especially our homeroom class, which we call Success Block. Um, a lot of those kids don't know each other. And it's not a band class. It's just a bunch of random kids that they throw in a room and you do announcements and stuff with them. Is uh, So you can screen share with audio 
and then just put on some music. Yeah. Right. So I put up like the, the, we have these slides for success block that our principal makes. So I put up the first slide, which just says like, welcome to class or whatever. But I have some music playing on my computer and then screen share with computer audio. And I put on like some Michael Jackson. I put on some no BS brass band and, and it was been great. Cause otherwise like you're just kind of awkwardly sitting there because a lot of the kids don't know each other. And everyone's on mute, and it's just real awkward. At least yeah. to me, it feels really awkward. Uh, I'm a very social person, though. So, like, I was like, you know what? Let me put on some music. And, like, the kids will start dancing. Like, I'll start dancing on my video, and then they all laugh at me. And I'm like, it's cool. You can laugh at me. That's <laughs> totally acceptable. I look ridiculous. Um, but I think that's a really good way to kind of, like, to break the ice a little bit, too, especially for the, the very first class. You know, a lot of kids are going to feel a little uncomfortable. And if you can have some music in the background, it might help that out a little bit. And I guess that's something that I didn't really answer at, at first when you asked the question. But the screen sharing, because we make a Google Slides with, you know, our, our agenda for the day. Um, this year, it is also featuring, so we have like our week-long assignments at a time. So when they log into our class, um, we're already screen sharing. And so we have the, the, the goals for the lesson today, they're, you know, their success criteria, um, there are assignments that are due by the end of the week, um, any announcements that we have, if they need in the future, we have a slot for any materials in addition to their Chromebook that they may need to bring to class. So they are seeing that already too. So it's not them just staring at me sitting in my empty room. Um, there's something for them to be looking at there too. And I think the audio is nice cause it, it helps create a new, a new space, a new environment beyond just in the screen. Like, yeah, absolutely. All right, so getting into some of the nitty-gritty here. Let's go. How would you say that classroom management over Zoom has been for your classes? Well, we're still in the honeymoon stage, so I, I got to throw that out, too. <laughs> like, we're still we're still setting those norms. Um, I have, I think for me, some of the classroom management has been really strict with, we're not going on with class until you change your name to your actual name on mm-hmm. Zoom. Things mm-hmm. like that that we wouldn't normally have to do. Um, things being really strict about as soon as I see somebody who is like laying down. Um, I've actually started, if somebody's laying down, I'll tilt my camera down and lay down on my desk too. And be like, is this weird for you? Because this is very weird for me. Can you sit up please? And like, it's funny and the kids like that, but you know, I, I, you know, whether I, I don't really care where they are, but I, I want them to be sitting up while they're participating with me. And I'm trying not, you know, I'm, that's a delicate balance. Like I don't want to encourage people to, just always turn off their video for kids that would otherwise have their video on. Um, but yeah, so I think names, posture and, and participation, um, you know, there is that you can just mute a kid when they're speaking out, but I've been trying to be sure that I address why that's important as opposed Mm -hmm. to just turning them off for right now. So like at first, some of the sixth graders, when we started doing our stretches, they would unmute themselves and be like, this is fun and stop everything and say, no, no, no. When we're doing these stretches, this is a chance for us to get ready for class. So I need you to, to not talk. Is that okay? I'm like, yeah. And then we keep going. Yeah. Um, I think, oh, the other thing has been I really like leaving the chat feature available for them to message everybody. I don't have them. They can't private message each other, but they can message whole class instead of just like messaging host. I'm not sure what these features are like in Google Meet or other platforms that you may be using. But that has been something. We have a few kids who are streamers or who I do not play games, by the way. So this is outside of my element. But some kids who have definitely been using similar interfaces just for fun all summer or for years. And so getting them used to, you can't just type whatever random thought enters your head into the chat right now. Um, now is not the time. Yeah. yeah, we tell them like once once class starts, like if you want to just like shoot the breeze in the chat 
before class starts when we're admitting everyone, that's fine. But once we begin class and we hit those stretches, chat should only be used for class-related things. And there was a couple of kids who we had to actually dock uh, some grades for because they were not using the chat appropriately, and then we had to shut it down. Um, but that's something that, that we clearly communicated to those kids. Like, right now, you are not using the chat in an appropriate manner. If you don't stop, I'm going to have to turn it off, and your grade will be affected. Yeah, I think we, we do have a every day they get class participation points. So um, these are broken down like being in class on time. Um, so making, you know, they can't log in 10 minutes after class has started. Um, I, I think that is also something that I address on the very first day. And I've had to call a few people out on for the second meet, and that's going to be something going forward for sure. But being logged in on time, um, using the chat appropriately, participating, whether that's with video and audio or whether that's being involved in the chat, but participation and engagement um what you know posture i think is one but um you know are, are they engaged in, in a in a um in an appropriate way that makes class fun and engaging for everybody yeah well and i think you know communication is so important um like for example if some of your kids have their video off and I had this scenario where I was going to do the clapping call and response with one of my sixth grade groups. And I had about five to seven kids with their video off. And I was like, hey, if you are able to turn on your video for the call and response, it would really help me to know if you're doing it correctly. And then you can turn it back off after that if you want. And most of them turned it on. Mm-hmm. I, I, actually, I think in my sixth grade class, every single kid turned on their video. And then after we were done the call and responses, some of them chose to turn it off. But I was okay with that because I got to see them participate and they were actively there. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, in a... I think my seventh grade woodwind class, I think only a third of the class had their video on. Oh, my God. My eighth grade <laughs> choir class is very small. And for my first meeting, nobody was, was comfortable unmuting or turning on video for the first 30 minutes. They were, in, they were all in the chat, like engaged and, and answering questions. But it took getting to the end of class where, you know, we started asking like, okay, guys, if you had... If you had to delete everything off your phone except for three apps, what three apps are you going to keep? And then they were like, oh, oh, I, I definitely couldn't get rid of TikTok. I have to keep TikTok. Um, and then they were unmuting. But that was – I'm not going to lie. That was really weird for me at first. Um, but Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Well, I told my, you know, my woman class, I was like, look, guys, it's a little demoralizing for me as a teacher to look at a, <laughs> a giant screen with a bunch of black boxes and no faces. So if you are comfortable turning on your video, please do it because it will help me so much to feel like I'm teaching humans. Mm-hmm. And I, like, I was like, if you can't turn on your video for whatever reason, that's okay. But if you can, I would really appreciate it. And then I had like 90% of them turn it on and keep it on. I was like, awesome. Well, cool. Thank you. I think the big thing for that eighth grade choir class, they were all new students to me too. So I didn't have that experience last year or the year prior with them either. So. I, and I'm confident that as we go forward, like they'll get more comfortable and we'll be engaged more. But yeah, I mean, I told them, I was like, guys, this is really, this is awkward for me. We'll power through, but yeah. Okay. What about, okay. My wife asked me this question. I thought it was a beautiful question. Mad props to her. What is something that has surprised, surprised you that you've really enjoyed with the online teaching? I have already gotten to know more about some of my kids than I think I ever would have in a regular year. Because, like, when they're in school, like, they're in school mode, um, they don't really think about it. Or things like being introduced to their pets or being introduced to their, their little siblings. 
like in a lot of their like introduction things or even in our, our lessons, like when they have siblings or older band siblings that we've taught before, like um, we, we get an insight into like some of their personal lives and that's been fun in a lot of cases so far already. Yeah, I totally stole this idea from John, but he had a bring your pet to success block day. Yeah. <laughs> I totally stole it and I did it on Friday. And it was just so interesting because, you know, the kids would introduce their pet, but they would share so many more things besides their pet after that point. Like they felt more comfortable about sharing a lot of things. And I feel like our classes are pretty big in the beginning of the year. It's typically all business. Mm-hmm. You know, these are the routines. Here's how we're going to do this. Here's what you do with your instrument. I'm going to go around and check everyone's mouthpiece. Like it's very... I mean, it's very action-packed, and the kids like it, but I feel like I don't really get to know the kids until halfway through the year once all the routines are really established, and then we can start having some side conversation and and things like that. Um, But this year, I mean, we've just had just such a good insight into their lives and where they live and who they live with and what they're interested in. And, And part of that is because we've taken the class time to do it, but I think the online platform just really lends itself more to to knowing the kids on an individual level for sure. One more thing. And this is only because we've been able to see our sixth graders in person or we haven't seen them all yet, but for that one time in person, let's learn how to take your instrument out of the case and having the parents there. Um, It's been really awesome to have parents there for those first sounds and for the parents to see and hear, here's what it's like when they're doing it correct. And when they're, when it sounds like this, here's a few things you can ask them. And for the most part, the parents have been really, really, um, excited to have that knowledge because a lot of them don't um this is this is something that's really unfamiliar to them so the parents feel empowered and i feel great knowing that they're going to be able to follow up with their kids about this too so we've already talked about whenever things go back to normal we might still try to find a way to do something like this um in a regular year at the beginning yeah actually and, and that was my answer when she asked me the question i was like i think the thing that i've that my takeaway is doing that first lesson in person with a parent was great. Oh, you might hear my puppy rolling by. But um, doing, a, doing that first lesson in person was so great to have the parents sitting there because I could say, like, say with the clarinets, like, okay, if you put your lip all the way up here, no, no air is going to go through. If you put your lip all the way down here on the reed, this is what it's going to sound like. And then I, like, squawked at, like, a horrible note. And I was like, okay, if you put your lip in the middle, this is what that's going to sound like. And the parents could sit there and be like, oh, okay. So when they're hearing the kid practice at home, they can then help the kid troubleshoot. Like, oh, I saw Mr. Nesmith demonstrate that. Like, let me help you out. And that was really nice. Well, and the other thing, too, that I realized doing all those, those individual lessons is we go so much faster than in the group class. Holy cow. It normally takes three days with clarinets before we even make a sound. And, go, I mean, doing private lessons, I had some kids who were literally playing hot cross buns with correct tonguing and breathing on the first lesson in 30 minutes. Now, that wasn't everybody. But some of them could go that fast. And I was like, holy cow. Woo. Yeah. yeah. I just started telling them, like, we're going to do a lot of the mechanical parts of what would normally be the first month of band class. Um, and we'll fill in, like, the reading music gaps later on. Um, but, yeah, when you're going from usually having classes of, of 20 to, in Charlie's case, 40 clarinets and saxophones sometimes, <laughs> that, um, you know, you're just, you can move so much faster. And it's really great. Yeah, absolutely. So something that's been surprising to me is uh, pacing. Pacing has been really challenging uh, because, you know, like, I, I don't mean, I've been teaching for, this is my 15th year of teaching. And when we were setting out our lesson plans, I was like, okay, we're going to plan A, B, C, D, E, F, G. There's no way we'll finish all that in the first lesson. 
And in reality, we blew through it in 30 minutes. Mm. And I was like, oh, man, well, I guess if you don't, if you're not dealing with the mechanics of coming in and out of the band room for the first time, you're not dealing with any classroom management issues because everybody's on mute, right? Like, it's just really just you covering information. You go so fast. Like, it just totally shocked me how quickly we ended some of those lessons. I was like, wow, we, we just covered everything. Okay. But meanwhile, some other things take way longer. So, like, like if you're going to go around and hear every student play their mouthpiece, normally in class, you could just put on a metronome and just go down the row. Every four beats, the next person plays. But on Zoom, they have to take the time to unmute themselves, and there's some delay with that, and then there's delay from when they play from when you hear it. And just checking in with each kid individually takes way longer than it would in person. Yeah, just asking, like, what's your favorite color is a huge ordeal for... And they can't, like, go down the row. They don't really know who's next. So you have to call out, all right, kid A, okay? Kid B, wait to unmute, hear the answer, mute. Okay, kids, so it does take a bit. Yeah, yeah, it's been uh, really, really challenging. Oh, here's something um, we've definitely had some issues with. Uh, and this has actually been the, the only frustrating part of the online teaching for me has been the amount of kids who've had audio issues. So if a kid's internet connection isn't stellar, um, they'll try to talk, and it will come out so garbled or so slow-mo. I guess Zoom tries to fit it all in, but it'll space it out over, like, a long period of time. So a kid will, like, start to talk, and it won't make any sense. And you'll hit mute, and you'll still hear that kid for another 20 seconds because Zoom is still streaming what they said the first time, but just real slow. Mm-hmm. And then you have to try to talk over that for the next 20 seconds. It's very frustrating. Um, so that's, yeah, that's been the only thing I've been really frustrated with is I want to be able to hear each kid and a lot of, you know, if their internet's bad, I can't hear them. And we haven't played instruments over zoom yet. We're going to start doing that pretty soon though. And I imagine some of those kids just, you know, they won't be able to participate in that manner. And that's where I think Flipgrid's going to be really helpful because yeah. they can record a Flipgrid and Flipgrid will upload it and it will sound great. But in zoom, some of those kids with spotty internet just can't do it. And one of the things we found that helps is if they turn off their video, sometimes their audio clears up enough that you can hear them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that may be another, well, another case for not jumping down kids' throats if their video's off, because if their internet's bad, that's the only way you're going to hear them. All right, so let's let's talk a little bit about our space. What are some things that you've done to make your virtual teaching space comfortable for you? Yeah, so before we even started, I went to Goodwill and bought, um, not a million, but three or four uh, lamps and set them up around. I already had a few lamps in the room already. Um, Charlie and I have very different opinions on lighting. <laughs> and, <laughs> I'm a vampire. It's cool. <laughs> and what yeah. quality of light we like. So um, we are set up in our two separate rooms. I'm, I've got my battle station in the choir room. He's got his battle station in the band room. Um, so for me, the setup has got lots of little lamps and i know it kills energy but you can't beat an incandescent light bulb they just make me feel better (laughs) um so some lamps set up with those around um i do have um again shout out to charlie for the second monitor that i've got going on um but having a a bigger monitor just to be able to put all the kids videos on during zoom is really nice because trying to balance my slides and 60 kids faces on my 15 inch laptop screen was not going to work out so that's been really great um I don't. I don't really have any specialty equipment that I'm using, um, you know, and, and that's been working just fine for me. I guess aside from this other monitor, um, I 
just got a pair of blue light glasses and I don't wear eyeglasses regularly, but some non-prescription blue light filtering glasses. Um, I've only had one day with those. I did feel better, but it was Friday, so I might have felt better anyways. <laughs> so more research is required uh, on that front. But yeah, I think I've got my rolly chair, of course, because you got to be able to... I'm a fidgeter, yeah. so I like being able to swivel around in there. But Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the highlights, yeah. Well, I will say um, this is a really good Zoom tip, too. So if you're only on one single screen and then you share your screen so you can show slides or whatever, you can't see all the kids anymore. But if you have a second monitor attached... You can go into the Zoom preferences and activate what's called dual monitor mode. So, if so, so the setup that we both have going on is we have our laptops in front of us and then the external monitor like right behind it. So you can set it up so you're screen sharing whatever's on your laptop, but on the external monitor you can still see every single kid, mm-hmm. and that's really helpful because some kids are still raising their hand as if they were in person. Like I know Zoom has like the digital raise hand button, but some kids are like literally raising their hand. And if you were screen sharing on a single monitor, you wouldn't be able to see that kid. Um, so that's been really, really helpful. I put every single kid on the big monitor and then my slides on the small monitor. Uh, and that's been really, really helpful. And keeping up with the chat, too, for kids that aren't that yeah. are muted, yeah, that have a question as you go. Yeah, being yeah. able to have that up there on that monitor is really great. Yeah, yeah. So on the external monitor, like 90% of it is their faces. And then we still have the participants window and we still have the chat, even if we're screen sharing. And it's been really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. So for me, um, I am I am extra when it comes to technology. Uh, my setup's a little ridiculous. I, I can post a picture of it. But um, for me, I can't stand sitting all day. It just drives me nuts. So one of my splurges from last year is I got a motorized standing desk with memory settings. So if I want to stand up, I hit like a certain button and it automatically goes to my standing height. And if I want to sit down, I hit a button and it goes back to my sitting height. You do not have to spend hundreds of dollars on a motorized desk. Uh, one of my teacher friends at my school, she has a, um, it's just a big plastic bin that you can get from Walmart. And she's like, yeah, when I want to stand up, I just plop this bin on my desk. And now I have a standing desk. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. that's genius. And I would have never thought of that solution because my brain always goes to the most like high tech solution possible. Um, but yeah, that's something I would definitely recommend. Like, you know, as band directors, we're used to standing all day. We're used to being very active and waving our hands around and walking around the room and and just just sitting all day can slowly have an effect on your morale and and like just just your general emotional feel of how the day is going can really be affected if you're always sitting. So for me, I've been standing for most of my classes. And then when I go to do like work on my own, I will sit. And that's been really, really helpful. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the goal is really just to be comfortable. Uh, I think having a really comfortable office chair is is crucial. If you're going to spend money on anything – or, or thrift shop, anything, a comfortable chair would, would be a must because we're all doing a lot more sitting than we're used to. And an external monitor. Um, I mm-hmm. bought one. Uh, you can get one on Amazon that's literally $99. It's a 1080p monitor. Um, it's, it's a pretty darn cheap monitor. It's, I think it's an HP. I can link it in the, the show notes. But it's just a $99 monitor, and you can hook it up, and then you can see all your kids while you're screencasting, and that's, that's been very helpful. Okay. Something I did want to hit on is interactions with parents. We, we've had a number of interesting interactions with parents mm-hmm. starting way back in, in like July, I think. Yeah. Um, so we had a parent come in. Uh, let's see. They, okay. I think it was, was it Monday? Yeah. Yeah. It was Monday. We had a parent come in who was a day early for her kids in-person lesson. So um, the kid was, was one of my students and he was supposed to come on Tuesday, which was the first day of school. 
supposed to come on Tuesday afternoon for his first in-person lesson. And they showed up on Monday, which was a teacher work day. And we came in and, and she just got her dates mixed up and she was very flustered. And she's like, Hey, I have a lot of kids in my house. Um, and I'm just, I'm just struggling to just keep up with everything. So I, I just got the dates mixed up and I'm like, Hey, that's cool. And then I asked her, I was like, just, just out of curiosity, how many emails have you received from school personnel today? And like, she almost started crying. Mm-hmm. Like she was like, I, I literally can't count them. I literally can't count. Like, and I think one thing for us all to keep in mind is yes, this is hard for us teachers because we're all adapting to a new teaching reality, but these parents, man, not only, I mean, they still got to work their job and then their, their responsibility has increased like tenfold for what they have to do with their kids. And every teacher is emailing them this and that and the other thing, sign up for this, click that, make sure you do this. And some of them are just really, really overwhelmed right now. And they, and they're just, some of them are, are a bit at a breaking point. Mm-hmm. We've had a couple of situations where parents were less than nice to us. I'll, I'll leave it at that. But they were a bit on edge. But at the same time, you know, I, I think it, we should all have a certain amount of grace and understanding for that. Just because some of them are just so stressed out, especially like single parents that have like four kids. They're stressing out about the child care. They're stressing out about you know, trying to make sure the kids are actually on task while they're like at work or whatever, you know, like there's just a lot of stressors on the parents that I think some of the teachers just may not be aware of. And that's something uh, to keep in mind. I think even as simple as trying to, you know, instead of sending three emails over the course of a day, I mean, can you, can, can you consolidate your information in a place that parents can check, um, I mean, j- j- just as much as you can do to make things as, as user-friendly as possible, yeah. which for me has meant as soon as I have an idea, I, I need to make a note of it and then maybe see, well, what else can I add with this idea to send out <laughs> later? Yeah, yeah. Um, because my first instinct is, oh, you need to know this. Oh, also, by the way, don't forget this. Well, maybe let, let's consolidate that and, and make that a little bit easier for them to, to read and use and, and resource later. Yeah. Oh, and if I if I could add another another um, key thing is you should you should buy something nice or do something nice for your front office secretary mm-hmm. because they are the front line for all of these stressed out, angry slash borderline mentally breaking down parents. They get all the angry calls. They get all the parents in the front of the building who are going to flip out because they have to have their temperature taken to enter mm-hmm. the building like the front office staff is in like they they are first in the line of fire when it comes to stressed out parents and they're dealing with a whole lot right now. So if you want to pick them up like maybe an adult beverage, go buy or- <laughs> some for your guidance counselors while you're at it. Yeah. Yeah, well yeah, guidance counselors too. They're dealing with so much right now. Um and front office staff and you know, yeah, I mean, well anger anger administrators, you know. I think administrators have have had a really tough go of it for the last six months mm. you know they have had to adapt and change and if you listen to our episode where we interviewed a couple um administrators who are former band directors one of the things that stuck out to me from that interview is my system my assistant principal he said the thing that that is one the toughest part about being a principal is that you're never going to make everyone happy so like you have to make a lot of tough decisions as a principal and no matter what decision you make angry people will call email slash cuss you out like they were post bad things about you on social media. He's like, no matter what decision you make, there's going to be a large portion of people who are unhappy with you and dealing with that. It's difficult. And I think our administrators have had to make a lot of really tough calls 
recently. Um, so yes, maybe you could do something nice for them too. You know, they don't get to see like the smiling kids every day. Like we do. They just deal with problems all day long. Yeah. All day long. They just deal with, you know, press problems and teacher problems, student problems, parent problems, central office problems. You know, they, they don't quite get the payoff that you do in the classroom when a kid like achieves something. And I think it's important to keep that in mind. Okay. We do have a question uh, from Facebook. Uh, Betty asks, will sections benefit from online contact or running things with section leaders? Um, and I would say we haven't done a lot of playing yet over Zoom, so I don't know if I can totally answer this question yet, but I will tell you that breakout rooms are great, and you can manually assign, if you're using Zoom, you can manually assign what breakout rooms you want to have. So if you have like your whole band class and you set this up ahead of time, you can assign it so that like all your clarinets will go into their own breakout room, which is essentially their own Zoom session, and they could maybe play things for each other, which could be uh, really helpful. I can um, speak to that a bit from the marching band perspective. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you guys have been doing this at the high school. Yeah, so we don't really do section leaders at our middle school. Um, we don't. I, we may experiment with something like that later on the road, but for marching band, during band camp every day, we met in person in the morning um, and then went home and did um, sessions through Zoom in the afternoon. And so we did some stuff like this where we told all of our section leaders, here's your goals for your individual sections based on what we heard today. Go facilitate that. And we did the breakout rooms, like Charlie just said. Um, for the... For the section leaders who were blessed with everyone in their group having a very stable internet connection, that was very productive. For the section leaders who either they themselves or multiple members of their section did not have access to a really great internet connection, that was not always beneficial. Um, and something that we learned from this as well is, as you might imagine, they, they still can only play one at a time. And so when the section gets to be a, a certain size the kids are doing more sitting around being bored than they are doing participating. Mm -hmm. um, and your section leaders probably don't have the, the management skills to really find ways to actively engage them at all times. So, and that's one of the reasons that Charlie and I are thinking about doing most of our playing is going to be either one-on-one -on -one or in very small groups. So it, it definitely can work, but those are some things to keep an eye out for. Yeah. Okay. That's all the main questions that I have. Uh, I do have some random words of wisdom, which we may or may not have touched on. Um, I did have some of my band director friends that we're going to talk to tomorrow, actually. Um, we're having a little professional development Zoom where they're just going to ask us a whole bunch of questions about how our first week went because their first week is coming up very soon. So I just wrote down a whole bunch of things that kind of at random. So, John, if you have anything, just throw it out there, Got interrupt it. me, whatever. Okay. Uh, the first thing that we've talked about a lot is being okay with the kids not getting as far as they would normally be. And I've seen a lot of great posts on some of the band director Facebook groups about like, Hey, this is not the year to be concerned about how much content you teach, you know, make sure everyone's safe and healthy and comfortable and we're going to get through it. And then, you know, if we go back to normal, we can start thinking about those things. And one of the things that I, I try to mentally prepare myself for over the summer is I was like, okay, it's very possible that by the end of sixth grade, we will, they will only be as good as sixth graders typically are in November. You know, we may have only gotten to five or six notes. You know, we, we may not be on essential elements number 126 or whatever. Like, it's very possible we'll get to the end of the year and they've only really covered a couple months of material, which honestly makes sense because we're only seeing them twice a week. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and just being okay with that. Like, like, that's okay. There are more important things in life right now than how much band stuff we happen to cover this year. I think for me, being able to justify, are they having musically fulfilling experiences mm. is far more important than 
how far are they going in extracurriculum or compared to normal? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. The next thing I have is <laughs> this, this might be a little dark. Maybe, maybe I should copy and paste this later in the podcast, but, um, I've, I've been taking these, uh, uh, a nightly grad class and we've been talking about a lot of issues in education. And for a lot of us teachers who were teaching back in the 2008 era, the economy had a huge, you know, a huge crisis with uh, the crash of the housing market, et cetera. And that happened in like 07, 08. But the, the economic fallout for that didn't hit the schools until a year later. And that's because of how taxes work and how school funding works. Because when there's an economic crisis, it doesn't affect schools until like a year, year and a half later. And I know this year that we're all struggling with the challenges of distance learning and at-home learning and all that. But um, that's, that's definitely going to be the challenge for this year. But next year is going to be the year that some very difficult budget decisions are going to need to be made. And things are going to get very tight. And I, I don't mean this to sound uh, negative, but just, just because I've lived through it once before, um, is if your school isn't treating the arts well now, you, you may want to consider looking for alternative schools to work at going into next year. Because if, if they're not treating the arts teachers with respect now and they're already slashing you when the huge budget crisis of 2021 comes, uh, things may not look good for your job or your job may not exist anymore at all. So I, I hate to sound like doom and gloom, but this has happened before, and I just want everyone to be prepared if possible. Well, maybe I, as the resident optimist in our relationship here, <laughs> can maybe chime in and say, well, that may be true. You may also have an opportunity this year to um, make content in your in your ensembles that is more visible in the community than it would normally be. Like People don't have to come to a band or choir concert this year to hear your ensemble. If everything is already virtual or if a lot of your things are already virtual... Um, this may be um, something that we were really intentional about doing last year is um, making stuff and very widely sharing it. Um, yeah. So this is the year for advocacy. Yeah. I know is- we're all doing a lot, but but yeah, I mean, see, and this is why I love talking with John, because he's I, I tell everyone he's <laughs> like he's like the yin to my gang. I'm like such a realist all the time. And he's such an optimist all the time that, like, I start going down these dark paths and he always spins it. And then I'm like, no, it's cool. Everything's fine. I mean, it's not necessarily, <laughs> but it is, I, you know, I just want to throw that in there, too. I love it. Yeah, well, and I've been thinking a lot about advocacy. Like, if you are in a school division where they are considering, uh, like, getting rid of arts or reducing the roles of the arts teachers, like, as much advocacy with parents, with students, with people in central office, like, if you do, like, a really cool online assignment or whatever, like... Personally, I would not hesitate to send it to your school members and be like, hey, this is what we're doing in my band class right now. Check out this cool electronic music composition that my sixth graders are doing and just like throw those little nuggets out there. So when next year comes around, that could potentially work out better if, if there are some budget cuts that need to be made. Like you can make the case like, hey, our kids are getting a lot mm-hmm. out of things. And as a side note, I will say that's why I'm, I'm just so appreciative of working for the school division that I work at mm-hmm. in Stanton City Schools. I had just a lovely interaction with our superintendent uh, just last Friday. Uh, I was pushing a cart down the hall, and he stopped me, and he's like, hey, Charlie, how's it going? And I'm like, hey, Dr. Smith, man, things are going well. We, we just finished our first week of online teaching. It was weird, but it got, it got more comfortable every day. And, you know, and, and I, I did just take a time, and I was like, I was like hey, man, look, like, a lot of my band director friends from other districts – have not been treated as well as we have been treated here. And I just wanted to thank you guys for that and thank the school board 
that you guys have treated us like every other teacher and you're still making sure that the kids can have a valuable arts experience. And that's one of the reasons that I, I just really enjoy working here. And what he said to me was very funny. He was like, he's like, yeah, parents keep calling me and asking me to make sure I don't defund the arts. And I'm like, why would I do that? We need them more now than ever. And I was like, ah, oh, man, I just, love I just it. love working here. <laughs> this is just fantastic. This is great. Um, so yeah, I mean, advocacy do as, do as much as you can be as visible as you can. You know, um, as much as I would not have selected to teach private lessons on the sidewalk this week <laughs> at three o'clock when all the other teachers left and walked out of the building, we were there teaching families how to play band instruments. And I saw a whole lot of pictures get taken. I don't think I would yeah. have planned that, but yeah. And that was not intentional. Uh, you know, like we said earlier, we, we didn't know we were going to be teaching outside on the sidewalk, but having all the teachers go home and be like, Oh, those band directors are still working. And, and a lot of parents came by and said some really encouraging things to the kids in the middle of their lesson, which I thought was really neat. Um, but that was just another way to be, be visible and say, Hey, we're, we're providing something valuable we for the kids here. here. Yeah. All right. Some other random advice that I wrote down uh, for my friends I'm meeting with tomorrow is um, if you haven't started school yet and you are doing virtual uh, practice, practice, practice. Uh, one of our teachers said, hey, we all need to practice Zoom. And he made some practice classes and they practiced muting and unmuting and activating and deactivating the chat and just getting really comfortable with the software, um, getting really comfortable with screen sharing, making sure that you can screen share with audio if you have audio examples. And, um, you know, my wife is teaching some online art classes from home. And today she made a Zoom class and we joined with all of our free devices and she practiced like managing the class and switching cameras. And, um, you know, as much as you can get comfortable with that before your kids come in, uh, the better for sure. Okay. I think uh, the last piece of advice I have written down is something I've just been like saying as a mantra to myself, which is that nothing is optimal right now and that's okay. Um, there are a lot more important things right now than, than worrying about, is this the best way to do X, Y, and Z? You know, I think just taking care of each other right now is the most important thing, um, whether that means taking care of your students or your friends who may be in teaching situations that aren't great, um, like touching base with them and making sure they're doing okay. You know, I could see a scenario where a lot of arts teachers may start going through, um, you know, some battles with depression this year, especially in the districts where they've told the arts teachers that they couldn't teach their own subject. Mm -hmm. But that's that's really tough. That's really hard. Or teachers who are teaching half virtual, half in person, which we very well will probably be doing later this year. Like, that's just a ton of extra work. That's time away from the family. Um, and all that may start to have an effect. So, you know, if you feel like you're you're really stressed out, please reach out to somebody. Or if you have a friend who you know their teaching situation isn't good, please reach out to them. Go grab a beer together. De-stress a little bit. I think now more than ever, we need to rely on each other to get us through this crazy year. Hopefully next year will be a normal year, but we really need to take care of each other this year for sure. All right, John, well, I have three questions I ask everyone who comes on the show. Number one, do you have a mentor shout out? Oh, well, I got a shout out, Charlie. Got a shout out you, man. Oh, jeez. No, I mean it. <laughs> um, yeah, I think being able to dive right in my first gig, having someone who clearly you know worked so hard to to better themselves and better the people around them. Awesome. Love it. Thanks, man. All right. Number two. Um, what is your favorite beginning band piece? Favorite beginning band piece. It could be grade six through eight, not strictly first. Year. Okay. All right. So we're not having that conversation today. Yeah. Um, 
Middle school bambies. I should change the wording. I gotta remember the name. What was the? Uh, what did we do last year with? Um, Mission with Apollo. Seventh grade. Oh, seventh grade. Oh, that was Mission Apollo was awesome too. Tyler Grant. Yeah. That was a fantastic piece. The kids loved it. They loved it. Um, but I'm a trombone player, so um, and it begins by is it Haley, Haley Woodrow, Woodrow, right? Yeah. Yeah, Haley Woodrow did this piece called "And It Begins." Um, we had a killer group of low brass players last year as seventh graders um and this piece was was perfect it gave it gave these kids that don't normally get a challenge a big challenge has this bridge with these super wonky chord progressions and um we got to dive into talking about that yeah yeah love it and john and i play in a group called the valley wind ensemble uh that meets in harrisonburg and we got to perform at our state conference this year vmea and we did a program of underrepresented composers, which included female composers. And that was one of the things on our program. Mm-hmm. And it was really neat because we, the, the whole group, the wind ensemble, is made up predominantly of band directors and college professors. And they threw this piece out at us. And we sight read it. And then uh, Dr. Bolstad puts down the baton. And he's like, what's one thing that you notice about this piece? And all the tuba players' hands go up. They're <laughs> yeah. like, we got the melody in this one. And, and yeah. <laughs> Well, and for, for once, comparison's right? sake, the other you know, we did two pieces that were like middle school pieces. The other piece we did again, I was playing trombone. I played three pitches in the entirety of the song, and that's not <laughs> that's not an exaggeration. So like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and it has a snare solo in there. We got to talk about that. I mean, yeah, that was I fun. mean, really, Haley Woodrow throwing it to everybody who doesn't normally, yeah, get to shine. Loved it. Yep, and we uh, featured that piece on one of our previous episodes, which is pretty cool. I think it was episode one or two, actually. Okay, uh, final question, and you're not allowed to say me for this one, okay? okay? Final question. Name a band director who's crushing it right now. Name a band director who's crushing it right now. We have so many in the district. Oh, man. I got to shout out my man Daniel Upton at Harrisonburg High School. Um, yeah, I've, I've also worked with him uh, as, a, as a college student in well, clearly in college, uh, working his uh, <laughs> his um, his band camps there. Um, he's also somebody that I see out really working hard to make a program that represents the student body at his school, um, and also working hard to uh, to better himself all the time every year. I've, I've no hint of complacency. Love it. Yeah, and uh, Daniel and his co-director Claire Leeper did a really awesome virtual concert at the end of last year with their mm-hmm. kids, and they had their kids do. Um, like a lot of kids did individual videos that they sent in. Uh, some of their kids did like a whole multi-cam, I'm going to play every instrument myself video. And they featured that in the virtual concert. And then they did a couple group songs with everybody. And um, it was just really neat to see how that all came together. And I know that's a lot of work because we did something similar with our kids. But um, yeah, it's just the passion in that program is is just really inspiring. It's really great. And yeah, I... Infinite respect for both of those those guys. They're they're awesome. Man, this is a, this is. A, am I allowed to shout out too? Sure. Am I allowed? Because I yeah. definitely got to shout out Burke Harner too at Kate Collins Middle School. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, same things can be said. Uh, managing a, a whole family though, and also um, growing a program into something really successful and flexible, and also yeah. I think working really hard to make his program representative of the student body at his school. Um, yeah. Yeah, if, I, if I've got questions about about middle school stuff, um, I'm gonna, I'm going to definitely be asking Burke. Yeah, yeah, he's been an awesome resource. Both of those guys are just doing a great job. It's awesome. All right, John. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. It's been a, it's been a huge treat. Yeah, man. Just yeah. like 
planning time, but with microphones. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> I mean, I feel like we should do another one of these when we we actually get into more of the thick of the year and more playing and you know more grades and see how things go and mm-hmm. you know I think it'd be cool to do a, a follow up. I'm in. Thanks for joining us on the Flying Baton. Remember, may your tone be dark and your humor light.